Hey everyone, I'm Tangia Renee, your host, and I'm tickled silly to bring you season two of That's What She Did, a podcast about women leaders, innovators, and rebels you've probably never heard of. I'm bringing you stories about remarkable warrior women, rabble rousers, fearless truth tellers, empire builders, and so much more. This season, shaking things up a bit and bringing you a new co-host for each episode. That means each week you get to hear directly from a woman of impact and learn all about her badassery that she's creating in the world while we gab about current events or whatever's on our minds. And of course, we'll be highlighting the stories of incredible women from all over the world that will inspire you on your journey. You don't want to miss this because when you bring together lady bosses to talk about other lady bosses, and maybe throw in a drink or two, well, anything could happen. Thanks for joining us, and don't forget to subscribe to That's What She Did, the podcast. Smooches! You're listening to Season 2, Episode 6 of That's What She Did podcast, and this is your host, Tangi Renee. Before we get started, I really want to shout out one of our listeners, who I am now calling Inspiration Junkies, because you inspire me and you tell me that the stories we tell you here are inspiring you. So here's a shout out to someone calling themselves R. Mac. This person says, great podcast. I love being able to hear about women's stories, both young and old, and the amazing things they're doing. It's incredibly empowering and motivating. The cultural aspect of the podcast is also refreshing. Can't wait to hear more. Thank you so much, RMAC. We appreciate you so much. Please give me, keep giving us your reviews and sharing this show out. Sharing is caring, and this helps us improve our reach and get these incredible stories about incredible women into the ears of other women across the globe. Thanks so much, and get ready. All right. Hey, 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 everyone. This is Tangie Renee with That's What She Did podcast. And today in the studio, I have someone that I just love to death that I've known for a long time since I was a wee little intern in college, all <laughs> all excited and happy about the world. I was shiny and new in the world of politics. And, and this woman took me under her wing and showed me the ways of the world. So welcome with me, Rosemary Rodriguez. Good morning. Good morning. Delighted to be here. Thank you. Thank you. And to be honest with all of my listeners, which I, I try to do, this is actually our second go at recording an episode for the podcast because the first time we had major technical difficulties and it was probably my fault, although it wasn't. Not really. It wasn't. <laughs> And she was gracious enough to come back, take more time out of her schedule because she's a busy woman. And we're doing it again. That's how much she loves me. It's true, I do. I'm, I'm so proud of you. Thank you. Thank you. So Rosemary has, let me introduce you guys. You need to get to know this person if you've never heard of her before. Rosemary has had a long and storied career in government. It's pretty impressive stuff. We're not going to go into the details here today. Just know that it's impressive and you should go look her up so that you can also be impressed. But I will just tell you, she has served at every level of government, right? Mm -hmm. From city government all the way up to the federal level. 
and is retired from government officially, although she is not retired from work (laughs) or doing things in the community, being a general activist and advocate for the community. And now she is the founder and ED of an organization called Together We Count. Dot org, which is a nonprofit organization that works on census engagement in marginalized communities. So we're going to talk a little bit about that today, about why it matters. And she also brought a wonderful personal story about a woman of impact to share with you guys today that I'm really excited about. So welcome her. Make sure you look her up. We will leave you in the show notes with where to go, some simple links for you. And you're going to love the story. I promise you're going to love it. So... <laughs> Thank you again, Rosemary, for coming in. Thank you for the opportunity. My Um. pleasure. (laughs) Always. So you're doing TogetherWeCount.org now. Yes. I was on a panel um, before I retired. I retired a year ago. And I heard a young man tell a story about a program that he worked for called Hunger Free Colorado. And you have to have a citizen in your family in order to get food benefits from Hunger Free. And he told me that people were um, calling and asking him to basically tear up all the paperwork that associates me with the benefits because they didn't want they didn't want to have a record of having anything from the government. And I. Uh, it broke my heart, one, because that's food for the babies. Mm-hmm. But um, then I realized if they don't want to be on the list for something to help their families, they're not going to want to do the census. And we as a nation are preparing to for the 2020 census. We do this every 10 years. It's in the Constitution. You count everybody who's in the country on that day, on April 1, this time, 2020. And so I started to do some research and reading about the fear and apprehension of government by population groups and, and as you said, marginalized communities, but um, older Americans are apprehensive about their government, African Americans, immigrants, refugees. There are people who just worry about cybersecurity overall. Mm-hmm. So we decided to um, see if we could um, learn more about the benefits of the census and the best way to talk about them in these communities. And we're um, fortunately um, received some funding to um, develop a program and um, really don't want to say you have to do the census what we want to say is here's here's the information about the census you decide whether you want to do it or not and um but it the census equals political power Mm -hmm. it equals um funding for programs like medicaid like medicare like snap benefits for uh, our families and um and a whole host of other programs in in our um, communities community development block grants transportation funding so when we say no we're not going to participate we're turning our back on those opportunities for our for for our families as well because of fear yeah what's the fear that you're hearing most commonly now um well the 
the government or the administration has proposed um, putting a citizenship question on this census and uh, a lot of people including citizens you know don't right. want to answer that I, a friend of mine said well if none of us answer that question how can they penalize some of us right and and I get I get that but um, having a, as you know I'm close to um, immigrant parent my father's first generation was first generation and the idea of not saying I'm a citizen when I recognize how valuable that is mm -hmm. um, in terms of status in in this nation that's a hard thing to to say right yeah, to deny that and um, and so the citizenship question is being challenged on every front um, there are seven lawsuits. Uh, we can thank the state of Col California for really uh, fighting it. The state of Colorado actually joined in a lawsuit against the citizenship question that the state of New York is leading. So we're, um, we're fighting. We're fighting mm -hmm. hard. So if I recall correctly, and my, my numbers could be off because I'm not in politics anymore <laughs> and I don't plan on going back. So. But <laughs> I mean, I might volunteer for some things. <laughs> like, like if you called me, I would be like, okay. <laughs> well, tell your listeners, I did call you and ask you to think about running a few years ago. You, this you is true. The door. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> Broke my heart. This but is true. <laughs> you would be such a fearless leader. I mean, I feel like there's a lot of ways to do that. Exactly. And having been on, you know, as part of teams in politics and running campaigns and not just like as a profession, but as a volunteer mm -hmm. and, and wanting to be a community advocate, I just know that it's not for me. There are many ways. <laughs> there many are many ways. ways. Yes. So I have some other ideas for you. <laughs> we will discuss that offline. Okay. <laughs> But if I recall correctly, the census represents about, I want to say, $400 billion in resources Actually, for communities. times two. Times, really? $800 billion. Okay, $800 billion. Yes. And that's just in government resources, not including investments from outside. Um, exactly. Foundations. Right. Um, businesses use census data to decide where to put a bank or where to, you know, um, invest in um, in a community. Uh, there are so many uses of census data uh, that we we, I mean, it really boggles the mind. Mm -hmm. In the case of a disaster, um, how do you know where a, a a neighborhood was before a flood? Right. So. Um, census data is used in every possible um, informed decision that that we make in this country. Right, that's absolutely right. And I think the census, because it's so, it's mysterious to people, right? Like most people don't really get like, what is it for? Why do you need this personal information about me? Why is someone coming to my door every 10 years and asking literally to count the people that are in the house? Um, and I think I wouldn't even know, even as somebody that once had a career in public policy, I wouldn't even understand how important it was unless as an undergrad, when I was getting my degree in political science, I did 
a semester project on the census and I had to do (laughs) I had you know you had to pick something in government Mm -hmm. to write a persuasive argument about and you we had to choose like should this thing be abolished or should we keep it why or why not and because at that time I didn't know anything about the census I was like oh I'll just do the census and Mm -hmm. see what I learned Mm -hmm. and I didn't realize that to your point it's not just about the government being able to say we have X amount of people in our state or in our country. This is the information that businesses use to decide to invest in a community. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And it could be anything, right? Like recently I met a woman who's starting a, a um, kind of a co-working collaborative workspace for women. And when we were talking about her process of how she decided to put it where she put it, she was like, oh, census data. Mm-hmm. I went to the, my mentor to, told me to study the census and she gave me a list of questions that I needed to figure out. And so I went to the census and then I understood that if I wanted to support women in business or women that were starting organizations or doing whatever they were doing in the world, then I needed to be in this place at this price point so that I could support those women. That That's a great example of, of, of how people use it for their individual ventures. The Constitution says it's for the purpose of, of political apportionment. Right. But um, w- we've developed so many uses for it over the years. Um, and the, um, the decennial census, the one that happens every 10 years, is the basis for a lot of government decisions. Right. And so you're kind of alluding to the electoral process. Mm-hmm as well right so we're talking about the electoral college Mm -hmm. as opposed to the popular vote and Mm -hmm. every time there's an election particularly a federal election in the last what three Mm -hmm. presidential elections the electoral college question kept coming up right controversially (laughs) in at least two of those (laughs) and the question is what what exactly is the electoral college and where does it come from? Well, it's the census data that ter- determines how many votes each state gets. Correct. How many congressional districts and that number of congressional districts equals electoral votes. And actually, because of the growth in Colorado, we are projected to get one more congressional district. Um, but it's close enough, according to experts, that we need, we need a decent count. Mm-hmm. We need a good count. Um, uh, you know, the idea of getting everybody counted is really, really aspirational. But we had almost 80% participation in the state of Colorado in 2010, which was the highest we've ever had. And which is still abysmally low. Well, in yeah, my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and they do estimates and modeling based on you mm-hmm. know, traffic counts, and, and they have a whole lot of ways, uh, really sophisticated ways of estimating the undercount but one area of concern to us is that children over a million african-american and latino kids were not counted in the last census and the the likelihood of them being citizens of the u.s is in the high 90s Mm -hmm. and we really want to also emphasize that um your kids count you should be then should be counted and um are entitled to all the benefits and responsibilities this country has to offer. So, yeah, that's a that's an 
That's a big number. Yeah. That's a really big number. What do you see as the consequences to not being counted? Well, the real, there's a dollar amount, mm -hmm. uh, estimated $1,481 per person per year over 10 years if they're not counted. To your com That's money to your community, to services you may need. Um, you, you may have a family member that needs Medicaid. Um, that's money that's not going into the pool. Um, those, that's the real consequences. The second is being represented. Mm -hmm. I mean, regardless of your citizenship status, um, you're entitled to representation in not only the Congress of the United States, but in your local government, on in your school board um, decisions. And so um, to me, that's those are almost equal. The community, um, oppor economic opportunity, and the political representation are both paramount to our civic society. That's one thing that's really fascinating to me. It's probably the most fascinating thing to me about the census is that there are many, many people that can't vote mm -hmm. for what for multiple reasons, mm -hmm. not just a citizenship right. question, right? For many reasons. Um, it could be that they're an, an elder person mm -hmm. and because of certain um, voter ID laws in certain places, they can't vote because they are old enough that they don't have a, a, gift, a birth certificate anymore. Mm -hmm. And that excludes them depending on where they live, right? Somebody who has been incarcerated for a time can't vote. Um, and I can't remember if it's state by state. State by state. Okay. In Colorado, once you've paid your debt to society, you right. can vote again right. if you've been convicted of a felony. But some states, um, it's changing. People are becoming more educated about it. But in some states, if you ha were convicted of a felony, you were stripped of the right to vote forever. Forever. Yeah, that's what I thought. So those people can't vote. There's, there's any number of reasons why mm -hmm. there's someone might not be able to vote that have nothing to do with immigration. Mm -hmm. um, but the census is one way that makes sure that even if you can't vote for whatever reason, you do, to your point, have some representation, mm -hmm. right? So you can still make sure that those resources, the 1000 whatever dollars per person per year mm -hmm. is afforded to you and your family mm -hmm. for the resources that you need. I mean, we're not just talking about roads, mm -hmm. right? We're talking about medicine. Mm -hmm. Those community clinics that a lot of people are accessing, they are funded this way. Exactly. It's real life, people. <laughs> it's my phone. It's my fault. Sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> it's very melodious. <laughs> Sometimes I'm really bad at turning off my cell phone, as we can see. <laughs> so it's important, is, it is. is what I would say. And... I think in this political climate that we're in now, people are really afraid, like really afraid. And they have reason to be. Yeah. And I would just say the thing that I think about when I see people being afraid, like I can't, I'm not going to participate in this thing. If somebody comes to my door, I'm not going to answer it. 
here's the thing. If your representation didn't matter in this country, if it didn't afford you a certain amount of power, then there wouldn't be people out there trying to suppress it. Right. That's a really good perspective. They wouldn't be trying to, to stop you from doing it. Uh, so when I hear people saying, well, it doesn't matter anyway, then why are why do you see so many groups working so hard to prevent you from doing it? If it didn't matter, they wouldn't care. Right. That's a that's a great way to look at it. And it's a great argument. So that's what I tell people. <laughs> I mean, that was the argument I came up when I was still doing campaign stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, I did a, a GOTV campaign for people that don't know what that is. That's just get out of get out the vote. You're just trying to turn people out to vote. And uh my goals were around first time voters so like the first time millennial person of color voter just turned 18 or never voted before in their life and from a younger age demographic that's what you hear my vote doesn't matter and i would be like well then why do you think they don't want you to vote if mm-hmm. it didn't matter why they don't care that's right that's right yeah same but- is true for the census they would not work this hard at suppressing people if it didn't matter. Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, you have to think about one one group I always think about is the elder population, right? Because my grandparents are retired now mm-hmm. and yet they worked really hard and they're, they're taking care of themselves and they're okay, but they're aging mm-hmm. and they need access to quality health care. And the healthcare resources they're accessing are often through Medicaid, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right? So that's my grandparents, that's your grandparents, that's your great aunts. Mm -hmm. If you have a disabled person in your family that needs healthcare, they may be or probably accessing some Medicaid services. Mm -hmm. It isn't just like a person of color problem, you guys. Yeah. You're exactly right. Um, It's... It's the we, and that's mm-hmm. why our project is together. We count. Yeah, I love that. It's so important. Um, and I think that we can't rely on the government to just handle these things for us. Yeah. We got to do it. Exactly. So where can people find out about Together We Count? Well, we have a website. It's, um, it's pretty basic right now, but we're about to start investing in it. Um, it's togetherwecount.org. And um, we're going to have an opportunity for people to volunteer. Um, People are already calling us once they've heard a presentation and they want to help. And so we're uh, in the research phase right now. But once we get our findings and our our, the written result uh, reports of our research, we're going to need to start a movement. And um, and anybody who's interested at any point, um, I'll do board training, I'll do guest speaking, um, uh, and you can reach me through togetherwecount.org. Yes, yes. So please go there, learn about it. If you're not in the state of Colorado, and I know that a lot of our listeners are not, there are similar organizations yes. in your state. I can co- connect them i'm part of a a national great uh, group 
So if you're looking for something in your state and you can't find it, go to togetherwecount.org, connect with Rosemary, and she can help direct you direct you to the right place. Um, to Rosemary's point, it's going to take a movement of people, right? Because again, there wouldn't be groups out here trying to suppress this type of engagement if it wasn't so powerful. Um, so you can do your part by, first of all, participating in the census. They are starting to send out information now, correct? Because I received a postcard about it. And they're hiring. Okay. So um, if you need employment, they're paying really competitive salaries. Great. So you can get a job mm-hmm. for the census. You can side hustle the heck out of this thing and uh, make some money and do some good in the community at the same time. But information is going out now. I just know that because I received a letter or postcard or something in the mail that was like, this count is coming. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, it looks kind of ominous. It's not ominous. <laughs> get counted and tell your, you know, the people in your circle of influence to get counted. Tell them to do it. They'll listen to you. They like you. So they'll listen. (laughs) Am I right? (laughs) You are right. 100%. (laughs) Thank you for sharing about that, Rosemary. I think it's so important. Sure. So I know that you brought a really great story about a woman of impact to share with our listeners today. And I love this story so much. So I'm just going to hand it over to you. Who are you telling us about today? So, um, I'm going to talk a little bit about my aunt uh, who just passed away and I had the opportunity to help her um, towards the end of her life and really learned so much about um, her but one of the things she was proudest of um, she never married she had a lot of time for her nephews and nieces my my brothers and sisters and I Um, And she took care of her parents, but she was able to do all of that because she became a nurse. And she became a registered nurse during World War II when there was a shortage of nurses. Um, The war seemed to be winding up. Um, There was a shortage of nurses in the field, in in the battle uh, areas. And, um, but the United States realized that when the veterans came home after the war, they would have special medical needs. So they created a program, uh, paid the uh, no no cost to the women who participated. It was diverse. There was no um, barriers on uh, African-American women or Latina women signing up. That wasn't common. No. Correct. Correct. Um, They As long as the woman had graduated from high school, she was eligible to uh, become trained um, at the expense of the United States government with a stipend. And so um, my aunt was working in a munitions uh, factory at the time. And um, was this in Colorado? She was in Kansas. She was born in Kansas. And what's her name? Catalina Rodriguez. I love that name. She's my granddaughter's namesake. But she she went to the program uh, it was um, it wasn't at home so she had to stay in a dorm um, and the war ended before she completed her training if the war had not ended she was prepared to go to Europe or the Pacific to, to become a nurse on and uh, on the battlefield but the war ended the United States continued the program because they said 
even though the war is over, we still need nurses. We have a terrible shortage. And she um, completed her training and moved to Washington, D.C. to work at Georgetown Hospital. The really interesting thing and connection to the census with her was she was born at home in Kansas in 1925. And as a result, um, she she had a baptism certificate because she was baptized, but she didn't have a birth certificate. They didn't issue birth certificates for home births back then, right? Uh, Well, somehow she missed having one. Somebody (laughs) forgot to file the paperwork. Exactly. (laughs) And my grandparents were immigrants um, and may not have understood the process. she was uh, my father's younger sister. My father was also born in Kansas, so he was born in a hospital. He had a birth certificate. She was born at home, didn't have anything. So she started to plan uh, for her retirement, and she wanted to travel, and she went to get a passport and couldn't get one because she didn't have a birth certificate. <laughs> so she called me, and she said, I need to, to find, I need to demonstrate that I'm here, especially when I retire, I, I want to collect Social Security. I've been working all those years. So I was like, oh, my gosh, how am I going to do this? And um, I started doing some research, and then somebody said, Kansas used to take a census every month. You ought to go get her census, her family's census records and see if you can prove it that way. The social from 1925, from 1925. Oh my god, and <laughs> the I, internet wasn't a thing then, <laughs> exactly. Exactly, I had to write uh, several letters. That's how you did business in the 19, I think it was in the 1980s. Um, and I, I got a copy of uh, the 1925 census from the month of April that said a baby girl was born to the Rodriguez family in Iola, Kansas in March of 1925. Her, her birthday was the Ides of March, March 15th, and it was her. And um, so we uh, got a certified copy of that, presented it to the Social Security Administration, and they accepted it. And I learned through that process, it was quite common for people to be born at home right, and uh, come up to the same situation. So. I shared that story with a lot of her peers because you just uh, you just never know what a person's circumstances were at the time of their birth, and it just it, it kind of made the census very important in our personal lives mm-hmm. a long time ago. So uh, it, it's a it's a funny little connection to the census. Um, I, like I said, Catalina passed away uh, this year. But she was always the go-to. If I had a cold or sniffles, my mom would say, let's call Aunt Catalina. (laughs) And she, (laughs) oh, she was just so uh, helpful to all of us. Um, You know, regardless of age, uh, we could always call her. And she would come over and take our temperature and and really was um, a, a wonderful, very, very disciplined um, but very giving person. So did she get her passport? Yes. And they went all over the world. <laughs> Where did she go? Oh, they went, um, they went to, um, all over Europe. They went to Israel. They went to 
their favorite city. She and her sister were single women who just no time around. for a man. They, no time. No time. <laughs> they loved Amsterdam. They thought that was the greatest city in the world, and I think it's so funny. Um, uh, they I went love everywhere. the image of yeah. two wi- elder women of the world in Amsterdam, like, <laughs> girl, we made it. We're in Amsterdam. We got no time for no men. We got our passports. <laughs> they were in a kasbah in Morocco when the lights went out. Oh. And they said that we just hugged each other and held each other tight <laughs> and and just stood there until the lights came came back on because they didn't know what, what was going on. <laughs> they had so such great stories. And now I'm working on getting their photographs and their slides um, converted so everybody can enjoy them. That's wonderful. <laughs> I love that story. Thank you so much for sharing about Catalina. Thank you. And that's a really interesting census connection, mm-hmm. right? If we're talking about older folks, there were a lot of, especially if they lived in rural places, they didn't get birth certificates sometimes. Exactly. <laughs> this exact same thing happened to one of my husband's aunts, mm-hmm. and they had to figure it out yeah. so that she could, you know, she's retired now. She needed to get her social security benefits, and they were like, what happened? Do you have a birth certificate? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's amazing. It is amazing. So, you know, the underlying question I think of this entire conversation is to count or not to count? <laughs> that is the and question. And <laughs> I think you know the answer. <laughs> you better get counted mm-hmm. <laughs> for sure. Exactly. All right. Once again, you can learn more about Rosemary Rodriguez at TogetherWeCount.org. You're also going to learn about the census over there. So get busy. I know you got your cell phone out right now. Type that Type that address in and learn. Get yourself learned up, as I like to say. <laughs> this is a portion of the show where, I, you know, I'm going to give you some direction. I'm going to tell you what to do. And that thing that you need to do is head over to iTunes. Give us a five-star review. Let us know what you thought about this episode. And then make sure you share it with your friends. Sharing is caring, y'all. You know how that works. Keep sending me your episode ideas to that's what she did podcast at gmail.com. You know, I love to hear about women that you think should be profiled on this show and anybody that wants to be a guest too. As long as she's a woman of impact, that's all that we ask. (laughs) And we have a space here for you on That's What She Did podcast. All right, we are out of here. Thank you for joining us for another episode. And stay tuned to hear about the next episode coming up. Bye.
Yeah. MySpace was still around. Hot. So, Hot. yeah. <laughs> so she's leveraging what's available to her to leverage, which is a lesson in of itself. And also just having the ability to reach out to our earlier conversation. Yeah. And yeah, she's so maybe there were no other people like her doing that. But she <laughs> probably went on LinkedIn and was like, well, there's a couple people from my college that live in New York now. Let me just see. Totally. And that takes a certain level, I think, of ballsiness. Yeah. I think, you know, you mentioned that she's like, I love numbers. That's what I'm so drawn to. Mm -hmm. Obviously, her brain operates in that capacity. She needs to put herself in an environment where she's crunching those numbers. And um, she she asked, and it tallied up. Yeah. And she kept showing up. Like, she kept pushing to the next level because... She got an interview yeah. for some other position right. and didn't get it. Right. And I would guess she had to go through several rounds of interviews, right? Of course. Didn't get it. Yeah. But then they came back to her and were like, listen, there's this, we have a role for a trader on the floor. Are you in? You want an interview for it? Shh. She could have said no, right? She could have been like, absolutely. Like, oh, there's no other black women. There's like, no women yes. there. That's not for me. She could have walked away from it, but she said, yeah, I'll interview for it. Beautiful. And so now she's, she's been there for a little over a year. She's still the only woman that's a full-time trader. Uh-huh. She's the only black woman that's oh, doing it. Right. And she is the youngest of all Trader, traders. Uh, period. period. Yeah. She's the youngest. Well, and I'm go. like, so, say her yes! name. What is her name again? Her name is Lauren Simmons. Yeah. I'm going to go follow her on Twitter. Uh, I don't think she has a Twitter account. Oh, that makes sense. You can follow her on LinkedIn, though. Dope. <laughs> she doesn't have a website yet, but... <laughs> <laughs> That's all going to come. The next thing it you know, is. she's going to be, like, on, you know, on a news show. Yes. She's going to be, like, a news anchor, finance news anchor. Good for her. This is this is what it's about. Yes. You mentioned it earlier. It's like, you cannot build your confidence if you're not willing to walk through a few thresholds. And I mm-hmm. think that... I know, I know that that accounts for the rest of our lives. Yeah. Like, you know, it starts when we start. <laughs> yeah. It ends when we end. And every time, the opposite's true too, right? Like every time you tie something and it fails, um, that's tough. And so mm-hmm. you have to be resilient as all get out. And that's something a, an entrepreneur really, really has to have. And God knows, I think women are very resilient because... Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't need to explain that one. Um, but <laughs> it's just a lot to be said for walking through the fear and doing it anyway. Cause I gotta, I gotta look at, at Lauren and think, okay, she was, she was 22. Right. Right. Yeah. When she applied. Yeah. And there had to have been some level of uneasiness of discomfort there. Right. I'm sure she knew that she, if she took that job that she wasn't she was going to be the only one. She's truly a unicorn yeah. on the New York Stock Exchange. It's wonderful. Right? It's wonderful. She had to have known that, but was still like, well. Maybe. I don't know. Like, I remember, like, being at the Art Institute of Colorado, and I'm, I'm 19, and I heard the same day that there's an internship, and, and they were, I was like, well, are any of them paid? And they're like, yeah, one. One internship. And I, they must have been, like, 50. One is paid. And I was like, oh, jeez. So I ran upstairs. I made a CD-ROM. <laughs> <laughs> I had to put my resume on a CD, for God's sake. 
um, and ran downstairs and it was like in the lunch cafeteria area, ran downstairs, started shaking hands. And I was like, which one is the one that's paid internship and walked over to that one. And that was my first 10 years of my career that, mm -hmm. that landed me a job. And you know, what resonated there is the guy was from New Zealand and I said, Oh, I was born and raised in South Africa. And we started talking about rugby, <laughs> uh, sports must never, ever be underestimated for a great human connection. Mm-hmm. Uh, anything for that matter, but any human connection, um, because that's how we operate as people, strangely enough. But I have to say, the reason I brought that up is I didn't think about, I wonder how many other women work there. Didn't even phase me, by the way. I learned much later in my life and my career, fight. like, holy shit. <laughs> I've been listening to a bunch of white dudes for so long. I cannot even think clearly. Yeah. I was like, I'm out. <laughs> Why? <laughs> I learned a great deal, but that was part of what I learned. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh my God, I cannot. I just cannot. And, um, but I don't recall. Now, once I was in it, you know, you start to pay attention to things like how the young men were talking to you and stuff like that. And I was like, oh, I don't think so. Mother bleep. <laughs> I was like, whoa. Um, and yet to really, I, I learned like, oh, I had to really stand my ground. Not that I've ever had a problem with that. Mm -hmm. Only child syndrome and maybe an immigrant <laughs> syndrome and maybe a gay kid syndrome. I don't know. Um, all positive things that have probably just always made me feel like I have to stand up for myself, mm -hmm. like no matter what, because that's who you've got. You've got you. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know if I was all like, oh shit, but it's a lot more in the narrative of popular culture today. Mm -hmm. It's discussed in depth, right? Sure. Um, even nine, 10 years ago, I mean, that wasn't front and center. Diversity. No. Um, the, the data of diversity, mm -hmm. inclusion, population within your teams, blah, blah, blah. None of this good stuff today was really a part of the day-to-day -day kind of pop culture narrative, mm -hmm. but it's a good thing it is. This is how change happens. Yeah. It's messy. It it's is. loud. It's tough. It's very tough. And um, you, we have to have a thick skin, and sometimes it's okay if we don't, and sometimes it's okay if we just kind of feel shitty. Yeah. But then I hope that people, especially women, surround themselves by other people that boost them up, mm -hmm. say, girl, you got this. Yep. Um, not because that's the right thing to say, but because I know you do. And if there's something I can help X, Y, and Z and be specific, I can't stand it when people are like, tell me how you can, well, how, tell me how I can help. I don't know. Tell me what you can help with. <laughs> this is my problem. Would you please present some possible solutions? You know, don't be so open-ended. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, people don't want an open-ended, you know. Like, no. Specific. You heard it here, folks. Be specific. You can <laughs> help helpful. someone. Tell them how you can help them. Yeah, tell them how you would love to help. Yes. Yeah. And keep reaching out, right? Keep trying. Keep showing up. Yeah. Put in the resume. <laughs> yeah. I think there is so much joy in helping yeah. each other. I think that makes life really worth all of the craziness. You know, it's like... It's the opposite is really, really depressing. Yeah. You know, um, help each other. Agreed. But like for reals. Yeah. Because you can. Authentic and intentional. Yeah. 
Lizelle, how can people connect with you? Oh, I'm easy to find online. Yes. Um, so I love chatting on Twitter at Hey Lizelle. Sometimes uh, I share some fun pictures on Instagram <laughs> at Hey Lizelle. Women Who Start Up is all over the social. So at Women Who Start Up um, on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Um, gosh, I'm mumbling on our podcast. Hopefully season four kicks off here in 2018 soon. Maybe even here at House of Pod. Who knows? Um, but I'm really easy to reach. I'm also on LinkedIn, uh, Lizelle Van Veren. Um, but at Hey Lizelle is usually a really good, easy way to find me. I have a Facebook page with that handle. Twitter page with that handle, Instagram page with that handle. I love chatting. Yes. I love chatting about stuff. I love hiring people that way. I love collaborating with people that way. I share a lot of ideas and, and hope people will chatter away with me on, on those ideas. Um, yeah, I share a mixed bag of stuff online. Tech, innovation, pop culture, mm -hmm. diversity, um, culture, uh, some Denver stuff, but yeah, mostly I really like to elaborate on badass shit happening in the world <laughs> and sports and sports like right now it's like insane with the world cup and, and what happening with, yeah. with wimbledon serena go serena um so yeah and i will vouch for that that i use twitter to get in touch with azelle and she was very quick very responsive so when she says that she tries her best to be accessible she means it totally she means it so yeah, email is the worst way to try and reach me <laughs> because everyone tries to reach me that when when you hit me at twitter uh, I'm definitely doing my best to, to hit you back up. Absolutely. Thank you so much for joining us today. <laughs> Everyone, you. please check out Lizelle Van Vuren. Connect with her. She's She really is hilarious. Like, just follow her stuff. <laughs> and connect with women that start up. It's a great community for women entrepreneurs, no matter what you're doing, whether you're solopreneuring or you're building a huge tech firm, like whatever the thing is, connect there and make sure you share this episode. Please. You're listening to That's What She Did. Thanks for joining.